August 23rd, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin, if you count from the top, it's 15 lines down, three words before the end of the line. The Gemara is in the midst of talking about the three kings who lost their portion in the world to come, who don't have a chilek la'ulam haba. The first was Yeravam bin Avat, we spent some time discussing and explaining his terrible deeds and uh, loss of ulam haba in the past amud and a half or so. The next topic, the next individual is Ahav. Ahav's uh, the king during the time of Eliyahu Hanavi. He's the husband of this terrible woman whose name was Izevil. He brought forth the Gemara, we'll uh, portray it very colorfully, Abu Dazara and Mass to Am Yisrael. He had these Nivi'eha Ba'al. He brought a specific Abu uh, Dazara known as the Ba'al. He constructed Asherah. He was quite the idolater, and the Gemara will explain that and discuss and deliberate over his wrongdoings. He was living during a time period, Eliyahu Hanavi, it's important to mention at the onset, Eliyahu's claim to those individuals who were following the Baal was, what he was saying to them is, how long are you standing on two platforms? Which means to say, there was a certain ambivalence, there was a certain... Uh, missed, uh, missed opportunity to dedicate themselves fully to God, nor fully to Avodah Zarah. Whereas we read about Yeravah Me'enavah, we understood it as a time period of uh, turning away altogether from God. The time period of, of, of Ahav, and it's important that I mention this already at the onset, because you'll see the rabbis uh, color this uh, further, was a time period of confusion more than anything. There's Avodah Zarah and Mass. It's really proliferated. It's all over the place. At the same time, there's some sort of rootedness in truth and connectedness to God. That's why you have Eliyahu yelling at the people, choose, it's your choice, either the Baal or the true God. All right, anyway, that's the background to the Ahav that we'll read about. Says the Gemara, what's with the name Ahav? We did this with Yeravam ben Avad as well, and we'll do it with the King Menashe afterwards. The name Yeravam, we were Doresh, now we're going to be Doresh, the name Ahav. That's what the Hachamim do. Uh, does that mean that his parents named him this for this reason? Probably not. Does it mean that it was not actually his name, but the Navi uh, portrays him with this name and now we're uh, explaining why? Potentially. Does it alter- alternatively and probably mean this was his name and now we're reading into it all the evil and terrible that it's, so to speak, foretold. That's probably the proper explanation to this. Besides the Gemara Ahav, he was Ahla Shamaim. So already, although we're going to understand the word ah differently in a, in a moment, it just the, the first mention already gives you a certain ambivalence in the personality of Ahav, that he's brother of heaven and that he's the father of Avodat Kochavim. Now the Gemara will interpret that word ah negatively in a moment like the way you, uh, in an exasperated sigh, you say ah. That's how it's going to understand the word ah. But ah in the most basic sense means you're a brother. So already you have this uh, two-sided nature of Ahav. On the one hand, he is connected to God, true God. On the other hand, he's, uh, he's embracing Abu Dazara. Ah la dikhtiv, ah yivaled. So the pasuk, when describing Sarah, <coughs> sorrow, says the word ah. What does it mean, ah Sarah yivaled? Ah, again, is that groaning, that exasperated sigh. Ah, so he's, uh, he's, he's the exasperated groaning sigh to heavens. In other words, he's not doing very well uh, with his relationship with God. Av la'avodat kochavim, alternatively, or in, uh, in contrast, 
He's uh, in some way the father of Abu Dazar. What does mean? He's a father of Abu Dazar. Adichtiv kerachem av albanim. The reference of a father to children, the pasuk in Tehilim says, is one of rahamim. So he had compassion and mercy for Abu Dazar. That's the personality we're dealing with. That is the ahav. Now the pasuk says with regards to ahav, he hanakel lechto bechatot yeravam benavat. Now the pasuk says something about nakel. Nakel midashon kal. Looser, lighter. His way with sins was looser, lighter in some respect than Yeravam ben Navat. What does that mean? Amar biyohanan kaloche asa ahav kahamuroche asa Yeravam. Instead of envisioning this as, and, and you know, this is a peshat interpretation of the Pasuk as, he was lighter than Yeravam, it's rather the lighter wrongdoings, the less sinful activities of ahav. We're not we're, we're worse than the most severe wrongdoings of Yeravam ben Navat. All right, that's not too good. Yeravam we po- we portrayed and and, and explained as the um, as the worst of all time. The Hotel Mahati. And here's Ahav when he was just doing his less severe, his lighter sins. They were worse than the most severe of Yeravam. Say the Hachamim in interpreting this pasuk. What is the pasuk uh, pin? Sin and sinful activity in Yeravam. It's in this pasuk that we compare Ahav to Yeravam. Rashi points out there's other pasukim in which the pasuk talks about Losar Mikol Hatot Yeravam. A king in the future didn't veer away from all the sins of Yeravam. Why Yeravam? Why not Ahav? Why not Menashe? They were all of the Abu Dazara. Why is it Yeravam became our paradigmatic, our example of sin of Abu Dazara? He was the first, says Rashid, to be Makdiyah et Tavshilo. He's the first king to worship Abu Dazara. There were many that followed thereafter. There were people, certainly, who did it before him, but he's the first. Yad Rama points out as well, he's the first to veer the people to Abu Dazara. So he's the first king to worship Abu Dazara. And the word Kalkala is even more uh, graphic than just his own sinning. He brought others to destruction. All right, then the Pasuk describes, uh, almost poetically, with regards to this time period, the understanding is, the Pasuk says in Sefer Hoshea, Gam Mizbehotam Kegalim Al Talmeh Sadai. They're altars, those of the of the Avodazara, are almost like waves or circles uh, or, or wheels on the Talme Sadai. Telim is a furrow. Sadai, of course, means my field. The altars the, of the idolaters are in some way connected to the furrows of the field. Now, a furrow in the field is, if I remember and understand correctly, it means you dig these many little holes and then you place seeds in them. That's the way you plant your crops in a field, which means the field is filled with these many little ditches. That means you look at a field that's about to be sowed and, and seeded or has already been, you'll see hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of these so there's a reference of the altars of Abu Dazara to these fields filled with these small little ditches. Amar Biyohanan, here's the uh, p- uh, the portrayal, here's the imagery for you, says Biyohanan. Enecha kotelim v'telim be'eris Yisrael shelohe emid alav ahav avodat kochavim. You're supposed to envision every single furrow in the land of Israel, which means that everywhere you went, every square foot, every inch was filled with a avodah zara and v'hishtahavalo and worship from Ahav from his people. That's the time period we're dealing with. Suggests Rabbi Yohanan, uh, tell us the Pesukim. It's Ahav brings forth 
Avodah Zarah en masse, everyone's doing it. It's all over the place. Everywhere you turn, there's another Avodah Zarah and worship of it. Says the Gemara, right? The next question we asked with Yerav'am as well, after we gave imagery of his time period, was who said he lost his, his portion in the world to come? Uminalan, and from where to us? Lan, lanu, de la ate, that he's not going, le alma de ate, to the world which has come, to the world to come. In other words, how do you know he's not going? And he didn't uh, inherit Olam uh, Haba. You know, our Mishnah told us you have some pasuk that perhaps is miramez, hints to this, dichtiv, as the pasuk says in Sefer Melachim with regards to Ahav. The pasuk talks about vihichrati la Ahav, mashtin bekir, ve'asur ve'azuv be'Yisrael. Now, there's several interpretations. So the most simple interpretation is that those last few words, asur and azuv, the simple interpretation, asur means stopped, asur in Israel, is uh, what it says on the stop signs. Azuv means abandoned. La'azov means to, to leave something behind. Asur ve'azuv Yisrael will be held up, blocked, and azuv and abandon. Asur says the Gemara, what's with those double wording? Ba'ulam azuv la'ulam haba. He's held up from long life in this world, but he's furthermore abandoned and lost the opportunity to ulam haba. That's the remez in the puzzle. Again, in the eyes of the Hachamim, since Kol Yisrael Yeshleim Chelek La'ulam Haba, we, and to the notable exception of these three, we want a Pasuk for it. So it's not going to be a Pasuk which is explicit, because his life will be more explicit, but the fact that the Pasuk talks about, I'm really blocking him off, yeah, we want that, because otherwise our vision, and they want the Hachamim tell us, is that everyone's getting a portion, even if you're a terrible, rotten person. Amar Omri Lemalchut. Omri was the father of of Ahav. He was the king before Ahav. Why did he merit Malchut? And then afterwards we'll ask, why did Ahav get a lengthy Malchut? Because he added a city onto the land of Israel. And now the, the story of Omri was he was a general in the army before he became king. And uh, he, was, he was good at conquering. Now, this specific annexation of the land of Israel took place after his kingship which makes it a funny question, why did he become king? Because of something he did as a king. Uh, but it means, uh, and Maharsha asked that question, uh, but perhaps it means, why did he, says Maharsha, and his children, his son and his grandchildren after him, merit Malchut? So he uh, slid in there. He was able to be right place, right time. Why did he keep it? He wasn't such a good guy. He did something good. What did he do? He added on to Eretz Yisrael. That's no small feat. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, Vayiken etahar shomron me'et shemer beki. So the Pasuk describes at great length the uh, purchase or the annexation of Eris uh, Israel, this, this, this portion of land, the city which Omri brings forth, that's his merit. Oh, listen, everybody's got their own merit in life. Not everyone has wonderful deeds and uh, activities throughout their lives, but there's something that you can turn to and point to and say that's what they were great at. Amar Yohanan Ahav his son, the bad guy, the one who doesn't get all that mabba. Why did he get 22 years of kingship? So maybe he got kingship because his father already got in and his father did well and he was following. 
Why did he get 22 years? Why didn't he die after a couple of days, as some of our kings did? Says the Gemara, says Rabbi Yohanan, it's because of his honor of Torah. Honor of Torah, here's the guy, Avodah Zarah, all over the place, in every pharaoh, we're supposed to have that imagery. The parallel, the symmetry of 22 is to the 22 letters of the Torah, 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, that is the simit. What was his? What was his kibud haTorah? Shene Emar, as the pasuk says, we're going to be reading into this. Vayishlah Malachim Elahav Melech Yisrael Ha'ira Vayomer Lo Ko Amar Ben Hadad Kaspecha Uzhavcha Lihu Vnashechu Banechatobim Lihem. So Ben Hadad, the king of Aram at that time period, sends to Ahav and says, "Hey, listen, you have a choice. Either." decimate you and all, or you understand that I'm taking already what I want. I want your silver, I want your gold, I want your beautiful wives, I want your high-powered and, 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 and high-level children. I want them all. Tomorrow, he continues, Ben Hadad, excuse me, Av sends back to Ben Hadad, this time tomorrow, I'll send you slaves. I'm sorry. Again, this is Ben Haddad saying, I'm going to send my people tomorrow to you. They're going to check your area. Now, in between these two pesukim, what takes place is Ahav sends back and he says, Faddal, no problem. Come and take it. Well, so he understands he's not going to win this. Just come and take what you need to take. Continues Ben Haddad to send back to Ahav. Again, the back and forth goes as follows. Ben Haddad, the king of Aram, says to Ahav, I want it all. I want all your good stuff. Uh, Ahav says, come and take it. Uh, ben Hadad says, Kim Ka'it Mahar, it says, okay, this is when it's going to take place. Tomorrow, I'm sending Ishlah He says, all right, I'm sending my people, my henchmen tomorrow, and they're going to find Kol Mahmad Hamid means something that you love, something that you hold very close to yourself. Hamdag in Uzawi. So he says, I'm going to take everything that's beloved to you. That's what uh, Ben Haddad's statement to Ahab is. What's he referring to? Just the children, just the wives, the gold and silver? Those were stated explicitly initially. Now the Pesukim interject at this point, and they have the Zikenim, the uh, wise, we imagine, Tamideh Hachamim, turning to Ahab and saying to him, no, you're not giving Mahmad Einecha. You're not handing that over. So what's this Mahmad Einecha? Vayomel Malachi Ben Hadad Imru Ladoni Hamelech Kolashe Shalachta El Abdecha Barishona Eise. So the elders of the nation turned to Ham and said, "Send back. We'll do all you want." But this that you're asking, Lo Uchala Asot, I won't do. What are we talking about? Ahav, all he wants is your gold, silver, children, and, and wives. I mean, something else, slaves? My Mahmad Enecha, what was it that Ahav is told and actually listens to in, in, uh, in negating and stating that I won't give it to you, uh, um, Ben Hadad? Lav Sefe Torah. 
Should we not suggest that's the Sefer Torah? Which means to say, piecing this all together, the Gemara asks, what was it that Ahav had as his merit? The answer is that he held tightly uh, to Torah, not to Shemirat Torah, but to the honor of the Torah, and there's something to be said for that. So as a king, as a leader, he was a very decrepit, terrible person. But as a person who respected and honored Torah, well, in this moment, he was willing to put his life and, uh, on the line with regards to Mahmad Enecha, the beloved, Beloved treasure of your eyes, he would not hand over. So the Gemara, who said that's what Mahmad and Echa means? Oh, well, the assumption is because the Zekenim are talking to him. Zekenim, we imagine, are the righteous, the knowledgeable, good, pious men. The Dilma says the Gemara, excuse me, Dilma uh, uh, says the Gemara, Dilma Avodat Kochavim. Maybe the Mahmad and Echa, after all, Ahav is all involved in these idols and this worship, pagan stuff. That's what it was. They're saying to him, don't give over your good. Uh, can't be. The elders are saying this to him. We understand that it's Sefer Torah. Maybe it's the low life Zikinim. Uh, you can have high level advisors, ones who are God fearing, and then you can have low lives. Um, so the Pasuk says Zikinim. Who said Zikinim are the righteous ones? Mi Laketiv says the Gemara. Doesn't the pasuk says Vayishar Hadavar Be'ene Avshalom Be'ene Kol Ziknei Yisrael? This is at the time period that Avshalom is staging a rebellion against David, and the pasuk says that it is when he hears this advice from, if I'm not mistaken, Ahitophel, and he says, "Oh, we're going to stage a rebellion against David." A matter was met with favor in the eyes of Avshalom and all the elders. Any elder who's saying you should stage rebellion against David is not worth his salt. That's a low-level one. It means we refer to Zekenim even as people who aren't God-fearing and Tamidei Hachamim. Ve'amar Rav Yosef and Rav Yosef in interpreting what took place with Avshalom said, those Zekenim were sabed bahata. Answers the Gemara, the way we know that these are true Zekenim and in turn what Ahav is holding on to is Sefer Torah. Hatam la ketiv v'chol ha'am, hacha ketiv v'chol ha'am. Di'efshar delahavu behonz this is the suggestion, the, the response is, it says it can't be. Over here, in contrast to over there by Avshalom, the Pasuk says that the Zikenim and all Yisrael tell him, don't give Mahmad Einecha. Over there by Avshalom, it just says the Zikenim, well, I don't understand what's the difference. Well, it goes like this. It's impossible that in all of Am Yisrael, you don't have righteous, good, upstanding people. Who said? Well, after all, in the days of Ahav, uh, when there's the Baal, this whole encounter with Eliyahu, God says, I'm going to destroy everyone. I'll leave over the 7,000 good guys, the ones who didn't worship the Baal. It means there are 7,000 good guys. It means in turn, when we talk about the whole nation and the Zekinim, what we're referring to in this particular and specific context are the good guys, and they're the ones who are saying, don't give Mahmad Enecha bringing it all together, finishing it with the punchline. Why did Ahav get 22 years of kingship of monarchy? The answer is because he was mechabedet Torah. When was he mechabedet Torah? When he denies uh, the Mahmad Enecha, the Torah, to Ben Hadad as he demands. It says the Gemara, Amar of Nahman, Ahav Shakul Haya. 
Again, go back to my introduction to today's class when I told you that Ahav lives in a time period during which we see these two platforms. Eliyahu says, Admatai, until when are you poshim? Are you skipping on these two platforms? So in turn, the Gemara's description of Ahav, first and foremost, as an Oved Abadazara who honors Torah, we understand that personality. Unfortunately, we understand such a personality throughout our lives and national life. We know people who who are confused, with the king being confused. Yes, he was confused. Says the Gemara, he was shakul. Rav Nachman suggests that he himself was, in some way, shape, or form, half and half. If you were to break him down in the heavenly court between righteous deeds and wrongful activities, half and half, 50-50. Of course, Harambam in Perigimah Vechot talks about how you and I can't figure this out. This shikul, Perigimah is only with the knowledge and the and the all-knowing ability of God. When we think about Oshana, we say, we should envision ourselves as Benoni, you're Benoni, I'm a Benoni. We don't think like that. We say, yeah, it's in the hands of God. All right, but Rav Nachman says, in the hands of God, in the eyes of God, Ahav was somehow 50-50. How could he be 50-50 with all the Avodah Well, I mean, we're not so simple to say it's all a numbers game. You could do something that has an efficacy, which is so much where you could, you could redeem your life with one action. Shene Imar, how do I know that uh, Ahav was 50-50 in some way? As the Pasuk says with regards to Ahav, Ayomer Adonai, Mifateh, rather, et Ahav. Uh, so the circumstances, God, and the Navi describes, no, Sefer Melachim describes this, God's on his way to killing off Ahav. He needs to place Ahav in the right place. He wants him in Ramot Gilad, where he's going to get smothered, he's going to get killed. So he says, who's going to tempt him to get in there? Uh, who's who's going to get him in there? Vayomer Zebecho, Vezeomer Becho. Nobody's able to in the heavenly abode and uh, legion system. Nobody ever, uh, nobody stands forward and says, "All right, I'll take care of him. I'll get him to this place, to this Ramot Gilad, in order to get him killed." Oh, what do you mean? Uh, this imagery is very strange. It's very jarring. God can't pull this off. God is uncertain. So the suggestion of Rav Nachman is. Ahav is uncertain. Ahav is in the middle. It's not a simple throw-in that he's getting killed off. It's an amazing thought. You have to stop and realize that at this point in the Gemara. Here's the Ahav we're saying, lost his portion in Olam Haba, and nonetheless, he's a 50-50 guy. Oh, his 50, 50 negative stuff is destructive. He lost Olam Haba, but he's 50-50. Matkif la Rav Yosef, man dikhtiv be, rat lo haya ke Ahav, asher hitmaker la'asot arabe ene Adonai, the Pasuk says, there was never one, anyone as bad, as evil as Ahav, whose wife Izevel brought him onto that negative, wrongful, evil path. You're telling me he was 50-50? That, this guy? The guy who the Pasuk says about him, we never had that bad. Vetanina, and I'll color it even further, the Beraita describes, what does it mean when the Pasuk says, Hitmaker, Hitmaker sounds like Lashon of Mechira, he sold his soul to evil. Well, the imagery that the rabbis have is that he literally sold himself to evil. Okay. And so the, the imagery that's given is that the wife of Ahav every day would weigh him, and based on his weight, she would donate golden coins. La'avodah zara. That's the mechira of Ahav himself. His weight 
would be ransomed with gold coins given to Avodah Zarah. This individual, Atamarta Shakula, yeah? He was 50-50. Ela says the Gemara, all right, there's another winning attribute and characteristic of Ahav. He wasn't 50-50. He was Oved Avodah Zarah. We didn't have that bad. He was terrible. He was in some ways worse than Yeravam Ben Avat. So then why was it not simple to take him down? Why was it not simple to get him to Ramot Gilat? All right, he ultimately speaking gets there, but the Pasuk says some sort of hesitancy on the behalf of God. Ahav was very giving to the right causes. That's perfect Gemara for you know, Jack. We'll use it at the next uh, Jeff, uh, next charity event. Uh, so the description of the Gemara is he was very giving, and since he was very giving, he achieved kapara, atonement, for half of his wrongdoings. Uh, how do you understand that? Well, I mean, again, it's a great call for raising money for, I don't know, yeshivot and things like that. What's, what's the imagery? What's the understanding? It has, in my opinion, something to do with the Gemara, Masech Roshalan Daf Zayin, which has, uh, the Pasuk talks about, Ma'avir, HaKadosh Baruch is Ma'avir for those who are Ma'avirim, which means to say there's a certain symmetry, a certain Midah, Keneged Midah, when we are able to be Mevater, HaKadosh Baruch can be Mevater. If I can look the other way when someone has done something to me, in some way or fashion, we imagine a reciprocal relationship with God. If I'm able to give of something that I imagine is really my own, my money, so God has has to be able to, or in the scheme of things, my relationship with God is one which in turn renders, well, this is something that was held very closely as fracturing my relationship, I can look the other way on that. So the understanding, again, is the ability to give of something that you believe is your own is in turn a way of achieving a certain fixing of yourself with regards to something that appeared to have been your own. And then the Pasuk, yes, Charlie. We're not, two things. First of all, we're knocking out the Hayati al Hayati. He's not Mehta al Mehta. Secondly, all right, a Hilak al Aulam is not only because you are 100% evil, it's because you touched on fundamentals of faith and you did it in a in-your-face way. To dedicate a life to Abu Dazarai, even though you have a lot of nice merit, that's what knocks you out of Abba, oh, Olam Haba. To bring the people astray with regards to Abu Dazara, that's how you lost your Hilak la Olam Haba. Uh, you and I, I imagine, both know or heard of people who dedicated them their lives to good. I mean this for real. Uh, people who dedicated their lives to, to, to good. They have one, two, ten egregious acts, terrible things. I, I'm not telling you about Olam Haba, I'm telling you in terms of their reputation, all lost. Why all lost? Their life was dedicated to good. It's not fair. Sometimes it's not fair. But other times what you can describe that circumstance as, at least in my mind, is that act, those acts, really is a real blemish on the personality. Unfair to say their life was a failure. Fair to say this is a major blemish. I can't look at the person the same way any longer. That's how I understand the loss of Olam Haba, even if you have merit. Oh, that's a good point. Well, again, but then you don't have him losing Olam Haba. In other words, Charles, that's a defense, but I, I, I should mention that as well. As Jack points out as well, keep in mind, uh, to, to strengthen your question, Charlie, it's a time period during which Avodah Zarah, as, as the Midrash told us yesterday with Menashe, was rampant and everyone was led after it. That's why we, were, we should have more of a benefit of the doubt on his behalf. 
But again, his evil activity, his killing of, 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 of those who were righteous and so forth, that's in the eyes of the Hachamim, what made him lose it. Says the Gemara, uh, onwards says, Vayese haruach, vayamod lifnei Adonai, vayomer ani afatenu, vayomer Adonai elav bama, vayomer ese vahiti ruach sheker befikol neviav. Vayomer, the Pasuk describes, before we finish the Pasuk, Pasuk describes how there's some wind, some spirit, as Pasuk in Sefer Melachim, that emanates and talks to God and says, all right, listen, I'll handle this. I keep in mind the context. Ahav, we need him in the place to get killed. Nobody knows how to do this, quote, unquote, in this heavenly abode. Finally, some spirit speaks out and says, I'll handle this. And God says, Vayomer tefateh v'gam tuchal seva aseyekin. God speaks to the spirit, as the imagery in the Navi has it. This says, go, go out and do it so. You'll be successful. What's going on? Number one, what's this spirit? Number two, go out or go and do it. That's what the Gemara is going to pick up on both of those parts. Number one, who was this spirit? Number two, and, and again, the Pasuk is begging you to ask this. Number two, what's with that word, se? Se va'asekin. God could have just said, go do it. Get out and do it. The Gemara first asked, Mairuah, whose spirit is this in some way, shape, or form? Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Ruho shel Navot Yisraeli. So a little bit of Jewish history is in place over here. And Sefer Melachim, one of the terrible doings of Ahav is the story of Navot. The story goes as follows. Next to the palace, the mansion of Ahav HaMelech, there was a vineyard. Ahav had his eyes on that vineyard and really wanted it. It was owned by a guy named Navot HaYisraeli. He knocks on Navot's, whatever, he arrives at Navot's field and says, I'd like to buy this. Navot says, ah, this is mine, holding on to it and so forth, whatever. A wife of Ahav, Izevil, sees that Ahav is very downtrodden. He feels bad. He's not able to purchase that land. She says, okay, I'll handle this. What she does is she sends out false witnesses to say that Navot had cursed the king and cursed God, and they testify falsely, and Navot is killed. In turn, the king seizes or inherits the field. That's what happens. Navot is wrongfully murdered by the king, albeit in somewhat of a roundabout way, but killed by the king. So says the Gemara, you want to know whose spirit emanates, comes forth in this moment to take down Ahab? It's none other than the one that he took down, the Navot Yisraeli. But what's with that word, se? My, se. Why did God say, get out and do it? Amar avina, se mimichitzati, shiken ketiv, dover shikarim, lo yikon leneged enai. God is saying to Navot, to the spirit, and you've got to get the imagery proper. If you tell the story, it goes like this. God turns to that spirit and says, all right, I like what you're saying, but you've got to get out of here. Well, you've got to get out of here. My place, my abode, my way, says God, as it were, is the way of truth. You're going to lie to Ahav over here. You're going to get in his head that it's proper to go to this place where I want him to be, Ramota Gilad, where he's going to get killed. I will only let you do that if you distance yourself from me, says the Gemara. You want to understand what we can derive, what we can learn from such a story? Says Rav Papa, this reminds me of the aphorism, that which people say, that a person who has zealousy, who wants to take revenge against another, destroys their home in so doing. Sometimes people get so possessed by taking revenge, they ruin everything positive they had. Here's Navot. He's hanging out, as it were, with God. 
He's in the mechitza, the inner chamber of God's heavenly abode. God says to him, I need someone. He speaks up. God says, Fadal, go do it. But first, get the heck out of here. You don't belong with me any longer. And Avot goes to do it in order to ransom his own death. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a lesson. Why are you meeting it so nice? If you say, just don't tell me what you're doing. Um, I don't know if I'm reading it so nice. He said, "Well, he, he, you're saying that Hashem drew him out, uh, you know, as opposed to saying he's saying go." Sami I'm only, I'm only. I'm only I don't re- know what you're doing. But uh, that's what you want. But semi mechitzati, go out from my uh, yeah, from my involvement. Oh, it's like that. Just I don't want to know what you're doing. And what's the maharif bete? Maharif bete, as a, you, I don't. You ruined your own home. Leave my, leave my house, go do it. I mean, no, but uh, th- th- again, what do we learn from this, says Rav Papa? A person who goes after their revenge ruins their household. What did Navot well, ruin? Why should say no? What's that? Well, because he no. wants this happening. There's no question. Right. God wants this happening, but at the same time, I have this. You can't send your kid to go do something and then punish him for doing it. He's not punishing, it's a reality. It's, a, it's an ironic and tragic reality. You're fulfilling it. But at the same time, yeah, you can't, you, you have no place over here. Something along those lines, I mean, it's, it's, it, I agree. Anyway, it says, okay, it says, The Pasuk describes how Ahav constructs this or erects an Asherah, a tree of Avodazaran. He does, can, continues all that rotten, terrible thing. Uh, you know, unprecedented in the kingship of Israel. Amar Biyohanan shekatav adaltot shomron Ahav kafar beluhe Yisrael lefichach en lochelik beluhe Yisrael. The suggestion is, what did he do in order to drive himself out of God's kingdom? Olam uh, haba. What was it that Ahav did that was so vehement, so egregious, so in your face? He wrote on the public walls, Ahav has been kofir, he's turned away from God, and therefore he has no portion in the God of Israel. I mean, that's in your face. That's spitting on it. At a later stage in time, the grandson of Ahav, Ahaziahu, they searched for him, Yehu, the, the next king, is searching for him to kill him. And they can't find him. This grandson of Ahav. Tell me about the grandson of Ahav. Maybe he did Teshubah. Maybe he made it better. No, he's hiding. Why is he hiding? The tradition of the rabbis, Amar Bilevi, Shaya Koder Azkarot, what was Ahaziahu busy doing? Why was he hiding a few generations later? Because he was taking Sifre Torah, blacking, uh, across, uh, what's it called? Erasing the name of God or taking out the name of God and placing instead the names of Avodazara. That's the descendant of Ahav. The vision, the description, the aftermath, and the life of Ahav was one that did not have any positive direction with regards to an approach of God, a national approach of God. However, had this certain ambivalence with regards to having honor and respect, even though not portraying that with practice. Baruch Amen ve'amen.